one of the 50 greatest NBA players of all time, Charles Barkley. Rich Ryan is my favorite coach. Why is that? Just to think about it, uh, a coach who is the freakiest of players, I love that. <laughs> the Academy Award-winning director, Steven Soderbergh. So when I do analysis, my name is Habituation. So I should refer to you, Steven Soderbergh, as the Habituation. Yes, that's my name. <laughs> what is your name again? The Habituation. He's none other than Reggie Wayne. I get a, a, a text on my two-way from Reed. Oh, it's my buddy. You know, it's my bro, my amigo, a padre, homie. Open it up and look at him. It says, Law dead. <laughs> I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Presented by Papa John's, is your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the Rich Eisen Podcast, presented by Papa John's. I am your host, Rich Eisen. Excited to be with you as we get set to go to Indianapolis, Indiana, for the 2011 Scouting Combine, presented by Under Armour, exclusively shown on NFL Network, and I figured I would take to the podcast mic today to give you a full-on spectrum glimpse of what the Combine is all about, from inside Lucas Oil Stadium to inside the meeting rooms that uh, general managers and player personnel men and scouts and coaches all get in to figure out who should be placed where on their draft board and how these decision makers and player personnel enter the combine and how they view the combine and also take you around the rest of the combine. That includes quite an interesting, uh, I guess, social network in a way with all the coaches and general managers and scouts and player personnel people and media being under one roof and in one town sort of uh, blown off a little bit of steam, if you will, after a long season and after long days at the Combine. I want to give you a glimpse of what it's like to actually be there. And to that end, we're going to talk Oscars because, yeah, there might not be a red carpet in Indianapolis, but we follow the Oscars, which seems to fall on Combine Sunday every single year. And to that end, we're going to have the one guy in the seven-plus years of NFL Network's existence, the one analyst I've ever encountered at NFL Network with the largest knowledge of films, the largest love of films, the biggest film buff analyst in the history of NFL Network, Jim Morris Sr., I kid you not. Guy grew up on a movie lot. Didn't know that about him, did you? So he's going to give us his Oscar picks. Oscar picks, yes, from Jim Moore Sr. later on in this podcast presented by Papa John's. Thomas Dimitrov, the Atlanta Falcons general manager, he will give us a glimpse of how the Falcons are preparing for this massive explosion of talent evaluation. 330 players are going to be at this combine. 330. All of the invitees are going to be there. It's the first time in three years that everyone who was invited to a combine is going to be there. How does a general manager of a, a big-time team like the Atlanta Falcons evaluate all these guys coming into the combine, at the combine, in the interview room? We're going to ask Thomas all about that because pretty much everyone you see there on the field is going to get drafted, and not only drafted, but in the first three rounds. Over the last 13 drafts, only 18 players not invited to the combine have been drafted in the first three rounds in the last four drafts only three players selected in the first three rounds didn't attend the combine at all 
That's in the last four drafts. In the past 10 drafts, an average of 34 players who didn't attend the combine were drafted. So it's a minuscule amount of overall draftees, over seven rounds. It's pretty remarkable. Only four players who were not invited to the NFL's annual scouting combine have been drafted in the first round. So basically, if you get a ticket to the combine, you're going to be drafted in the NFL and most likely high up in the draft. So that is what is at stake this week in Indianapolis, and we'll ask Thomas about that as well. But if we're going to start talking combine, there's really only one guy that needs to start this podcast, and let's get right to him. Who better than the number one man in the business in terms of knowing everything that I need to know and don't? (laughs) That's Mike Mayock joining us on the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. How are you, Mike? Rich, I'm doing pretty good, man. How you doing? I'm doing fine. Are you feeling okay? Are you all right? (laughs) You okay? I'll be just fine, honey. Thanks for asking. No, 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 no. Everyone always asks me, how do you, because I just mentioned, you know, moments ago, 330 players invited this year. Everyone's like, how do you study for this? How do you know this? How will you know that? And I'm like, it's very simple. All I need to say is, Mike Mayock, your thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if ever in doubt, Mike Mayock, your thoughts. It's the the Mayock family motto, often wrong, never in doubt. (laughs) I just go heavy early. Well, let me tell you this, and and I think uh, everyone who's a fan of yours uh, knows this too. The reason why you're the best at this is because you give your opinion, and it is never with the airs of you know best and everyone else doesn't. You come across as, listen, this is my opinion. It may be borne out to be incorrect, but I have my beliefs, and this is what it is. And I think a lot of people uh, resonate with that, Mike Mayock, and I wanted to tell you that. I, that that's a good thing to say, I, and I appreciate it, because my my entire thing when I got into the, the, the evaluation of player personnel was, by definition, you're going to be wrong a percentage of the time. And, and what you owe to people that play the game for a living and coach it for a living and, and evaluate for a living and the fans out there is just as much hard work as you can give and as much integrity as you give. And, and I already know I'm going to be wrong, Rich. I mean, that's just part well, of it. But it's the nature thing. of the business. You know what I mean? It's just uh, how, how many people thought, I mean, a couple of years ago, we're at the Combine. Vernon Golston is lighting it up. He just came a, 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 off an incredible Big Ten season. And as we're entering this Combine right now, uh, the Jets are about to drop him, and, and he didn't do a darn thing in his career it's just and how do you know i mean how that's the that's the bottom line is how do you know it's just a very educated uh science in a way uh as to as to who knows what so everyone in that building is going to be wrong at some point right yeah and that's kind of the whole point and that's why for me and i learned this lesson early on and and it was about philip rivers where i learned the lesson and philip rivers was a senior at north carolina state and I had done a bunch of tape work on him, Rich, and I was also doing uh, college games for ABC at the time, and I had done probably five Phillip Rivers games over a two-year or three-year period. So I had seen the kid live. I had seen him in practice. I had watched tape with the kid prior to his senior year mm-hmm. when we started doing the draft at the NFL Network. And I had a bunch of my NFL coaching buddies telling me point blank that I was way too high on the kid, that he's not a first-round pick, he's got a funny delivery, he's got a funny motion, don't go there, you're, you're going to be exposed. 
And I remember my dad telling me, I went to my dad, who was a high school and college coach for 40 years. I remember saying, man, I'm a little conflicted here. You know, I, I believe in this kid, and I watch the tape, but guys that know more than me are telling me blah, blah, blah. And my dad was like, listen, <laughs> it's not real complicated, man. If you're going to go down, go down with your own opinion and, 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 and value it and, and, and stand by it and admit when you're wrong. And uh, it's been fun. So since then, Rich, that's exactly what I've done. I, I, I watch as much tape as I can. I get as much uh, factual background as I can, and then I just disseminate information, and I hope I'm right. Right, and, and but the bottom line is is that uh, of the 330 kids that are going to be at this combine that we'll see on NFL Network, every last one of them, if they're out there on the field working out, uh, is they're going to get drafted probably in the first three rounds of this draft. It's the only question is in what order are the guys that we're going to see on NFL Network working out going to be drafted as I mentioned moments ago of the last 13 draft only 18 players not invited to the combine snuck into the first 3 rounds of an NFL draft. It's pretty remarkable when you think about that. Yeah, it is pretty remarkable and you know you mentioned the name a moment ago Vernon Golston. And you know Golston was a guy I didn't like on tape, but he's such a phenomenal physique and such so the measurables are so high. Rich, there are two guys in this year's combine mm-hmm. that I think are going to be fascinating to watch because the defensive line is so good this year. And and pretty much the consensus number one defensive end is Daquan Bowers from Clemson. Right. Now, I've got a tape in my possession of Robert Quinn from North Carolina, who's a junior and didn't play this entire season. And he's in my top five defensive ends. And I'm probably going to walk in there on the de- first day of the defensive line drills and say, I think he's the number one pick in the whole country. Is that right? Now, i got to tell you, and he didn't play last year. He didn't play one snap because the NCAA suspended those North Carolina kids. So I went back to the 09 tape, and, and I got Butch Davis to send me a bunch of cut-up rules of uh, his 08 and 09 action. And, Rich, it's going to be fascinating to watch Bowers and this kid, Quinn, they're both 6'4", 275. I think Quinn's going to run a 4'5", four, four, five, five or lower at 275 pounds. Man, oh, man. So imagine that. I mean, that's like a, a kind of a possession-wide receiver. You know, it's every every year that we've done this, Mike. It's, it, 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 it is remarkable because it is, it is absolutely tangible and visible how bigger, how much bigger and more athletic the the kids are every year it just seems that they're it you remember when uh vernon davis jumped out of the gym yeah dustin keller then jumped out of the gym the next the next year it just seems that that there are kids that are getting bigger and stronger and faster every year and do you expect that we will i guess you uh, that's this is a silly question based on what you just told me we're going to see that again we're going to see a leap above what we saw last year I really believe that this kid, Robert Quinn, is going to blow this combine up. And, and at 6'4", 275, he's going to run in the four fives. He's probably going to vertical jump 34 inches, plus or minus. Uh, he'll run in the low sevens in the three cone, which is like a defensive back time. Uh, this kid, those, and, and I should throw Daquan Bowers in there, too, because he's a genetic freak also. These two kids are freaks, and I mean that totally in a positive and a complimentary fashion. These two kids, you and I are going to be sitting there shaking our heads when the defensive line takes the field. What is that, Monday, I believe? Yeah, they, it's, that's, uh, that's Monday uh, on NFL Network. The, the offense goes first, and then the defense goes second. 
what do you think of Fairley, though? So many people saw him blow up the national championship game. What, what are your thoughts on him as he enters the combine? He's a boomer bust guy, and, and he's either going to be an all-pro that we're talking about for 10 years, or he's going he's gonna to pull a Vernon Golston. No kidding. Yeah, he's, Why do you say that? Well, the hardest part about these top 10, top 15 kind of picks, Rich, that are great physical specimens are what, what kind of kids are they and what kind of work ethic will they carry with them once you hand them 10 or 20 or $30 million. And that kid, fairly, has. I watched the tape on him, and most of it is really good. And some of it's really bad when he gets tired, when he stands up, when he doesn't hustle, when he does things to put his linebacker in a bind because he's freelancing and gets beat. I mean, there's, there, as good as that tape is, there's concern about what kind of kid he is. And if he doesn't have the kind of work ethic and toughness that you want, then it's going to be, quote, just another Golston. And I'm not saying that's the case. I'm saying that you got to do your homework on this kid. I'm I'm going to pat myself on the back right now, Mike, that we've gone almost 10 minutes in this conversation and I haven't brought up the name Cam Newton yet. <laughs> I, I am absolutely stunned. Thank you. I appreciate your your um, accolades on oh, that. By the way, I wanted to tell you one thing. I was going to tell you off air, but I'll tell it to you here. Sure. The night that you hosted the Hall of Fame thing, uh-huh. uh, when, when our guys, Marshall and Dion and, and Steve Sable and all were – you did a phenomenal job of just kind of deflecting it to them and letting them take it. Thank and you. I think sometimes that's really hard for a host to do. Um, and I thought you did it flawlessly, and I wanted to give you credit. For that. I appreciate that. Thanks for saying that. Hey, man, it's, I'm not the one going in the Hall of Fame. That's my thought process going in, you know, into that, that it's it's these guys, and and it's uh, it's my job to just let the emotions flow because that's the story of the night. It's pretty awesome. To, it's It's pretty awesome to be there. And plus, it was my job to make Marshall cry that night. <laughs> it was my job, and that's and and he knew I was going to try to do it. And then when I, and I I just knew mentioning his mom was going to yeah. get it because I've you know obviously I've known Marshall for years. Just mentioning his mom was going to do it. And that's why he waved his finger at me, just like you. <laughs> he gave me that you look. But that was that was a lot of fun. But yeah, and and I guess it's the same amount of restraint that I used to not bring up Cam Newton to you whatsoever cuz he's going to be like the Tebow of this of this weekend, correct? Last yeah, year we couldn't say Tebow's name enough. It's going to be Cam Newton here. And there's no doubt about it. And when you, when you juxtapose that with probably seven of the top seven of the first 10 drafting teams have a quarterback need. Mm-hmm. Um and to me, Blaine Gabbert is the first quarterback off the board. But after that, Rich, I'm telling you, it's not just Cam Newton. It's three guys that we're going to be talking about for two months. It's Cam Newton, it's Jake Locker, and it's Ryan Mallett. And all three of them have big-time ability, and all three of them have big-time holes. And, and the key is going to be for any one of these teams is picking the right guy. When the holes I assume you're talking about are off the field? Well, it's a combination. I mean, and to give it to you real quickly, for, sure. Cam, for Cam Newton, the transition from a very, very simple pass offense to an NFL offense is night and day. And he's, I think he, he seems like a, an intelligent kid. Uh, his football IQ is going to be tested, and all the work ethic questions are going to come up also, and, and they should because there's some red flags in his past. Uh, Jake Locker. At 230 pounds, Rich, he's probably going to run 4.45 to, to 4.5. This is a phenomenal athlete with a big arm who's not as accurate as he should be. Part of the reason might be his baseball history. 
So people are going to have to figure it out because he should be a first-round pick from a talent perspective and from a work ethic perspective. He should be a first-round pick. And Ryan Mallett, you want to talk about a kid that, that if, if you're standing around in gym shorts playing flag football, they'll throw a football. I mean, Ryan Mallett makes every throw in the world. There's all kinds of potential off-the-field issues, number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, the, the more the pocket gets impacted, the worse he becomes very quickly. So there are four kids with first-round talent, and, and you've got to figure them out. As we enter the combine, do you think Gabbert, you say he's going to be the first one off the board, can he be – um, a Roethlisberger, Sanchez, Matt Ryan type impactful rookie at that position in the NFL. Yeah, he looks to me like he belongs in that group. Now he doesn't have the same footwork, and you could throw Sam Bradford from yes, last year. Absolutely, no question, no doubt. Um, but Bradford and Ryan and those guys were, were and and Stafford were coming out of offenses that were a little bit more NFL style. Under center, play action, all that. Gabbard is a pure spread guy whose footwork's going to need a lot of work. So I would put him in the same category of the guys you just mentioned. I think it just might take him a little bit longer uh, to get adjusted to the NFL style. And how huge is the decision for Newton to work out at the combine, do you think? Well, I, I, in my mind, I don't mind when the quarterbacks don't work out. However, when you go out and put on your own media only, uh, mini combine, I think it will be hard to justify not throwing at the real combine. That's right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I hadn't I'd actually heard anybody quite put it that way, but you're not wrong. I mean, yeah, I can I can hold my own thing, but when you're holding your thing, I can't do that. Be but, careful about talking about holding of one thing. Hey, right? now. Hey, now. You know what I mean? It's, it, it is, we hear it every year, and we're going to talk about it because we talk about it every year. Uh, that that guys at the combine don't like to throw because they don't know the guys they're throwing to. I mean, it's completely random the wideouts that you're going to be throwing to. They don't know them, and it make might make them look bad. But to me, that's what you should do. Is 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 the NFL is all about improvisation and adversity and fighting through it. And this is just a very small microcosm of that. Don't you think? I do, and and I think they should throw and. I've had this conversation with Tom Condon, who's been the agent of the first quarterback selected for the last, I think, going back to Peyton. Um, and a matter of fact, I talked to him yesterday. He's got Gabbert, and, and Gabbert won't be throwing. Gabbert's going to run a 40 and nothing else, oh, boy. which is the same thing that, that Matt Ryan did. So what did Tom say to that? Then? Well, I mean, the, the, their mantra is that they want to put their kid in the best light possible. Yeah, but Gabbard's not going to not get drafted because, you know, a ball may have sailed a touch high in the combine, right? Rich, there's two there's two schools of thought, and I'm with you, okay? And my school of thought is that you're only throwing 20 to 30 balls. You're throwing a couple route trees. It's nothing. Right. And the guys sitting up there watching, you know, the, the, the Belichicks and Sperano's and, and Rex Ryan's, they understand that you're throwing to guys that don't know each other. Mm-hmm. So they don't really care if the ball's short or long. What they want to see is your footwork. They want to see the ball come out of your hand. They want to see how you react to pressure. And they want to see how you compare apples to apples on the same surface as the other quarterbacks in your class. It has nothing to do with completing a pass. Yeah. I mean, now, that's my opinion. Right. But the prevailing quarterback opinion for anybody who thinks he's a high first-round pick is, I'm going to sleep in my own bed, I'm going to throw to my own receivers, 
I'm going to throw a scripted 60 to 80 play script that I've worked on every day with my coach, and I'm going to put my best foot forward. And it's really hard to argue that with Tom Condon because his guy has been the top guy selected every single year. So what's the deepest group? You meant is defensive line the, def- the deepest group? Yeah, and, and Rich, the defensive ends, best I've seen since we've been doing this. And uh, to give you an example, the average number of defensive ends drafted in the first round each year is, is about 3.8 to 4. I've got nine defensive ends with mm. first-round grades. Um, it, there's also a high-level group of defensive tackles. Um, I've got 12 or 13 defensive linemen that, that could go in the first. They won't go, all of them, but they have first-round grades. So when you start talking about the two guys I mentioned, Daquan Bowers and um, Robert Quinn, and you combine that with the defensive tackles, uh, Marcel Darius and uh, Fairley, you're talking about four of perhaps the first five draft picks this year. So the defensive line group this year is just a marquee group of guys. It's really going to be fun. So is this good eats for three, four defenses? Is this good eats? This yeah, real good eats, you know, because you're, start, you're talking about uh, I could make a case that Bowers and Quinn could be rush linebackers in a three, four. J.J. Uh, Watt from Wisconsin is, is that five technique, Rich, that we always talk about, the defensive end in a three, four. Cam Jordan son of, uh, remember Steve Jordan from the Minnesota Vikings? Sure, of course. Yeah. His son is a five technique from uh, University of California. There's a kid named Mohammed Wilkerson from Temple. Cam Hayward, son of Ironhead Hayward from Ohio State. Oh All those goodness. guys are, are high-level five techniques. So uh, real good eating for the three, four teams this year. All right, let's uh, do some quick hitters here. A uh, player that needs to run the best 40, needs to prove something on the 40 this year in your estimation, going into the combine would be who? Uh, I'd, I'd say Hankerson from Miami and his teammate from Miami, Brandon Harris, uh, who's a corner. Both those guys are real good football players. Harris struggled against Notre Dame, needs to run well, and Hankerson is a big-bodied wide receiver. Uh, I'd love to see run run in 4-4-5 in four, four, or under. Well, give me the name of a guy who just needs the best overall workout. That people need to see need to see this kid do what uh, what what it's expected of him to do. Well, I, I think the guy that I keep going back to is, is uh, Quinn from North Carolina. He didn't play, and, and Rich in that category, you could put three North Carolina players, all of whom were suspended for the entire season. So mm-hmm. Robert Quinn needs a huge combine, and I think he's going to give it to us. Marvin Austin, a defensive tackle who most people had a first round grade on prior to the season. He didn't play all season. He played in the East-West game. He needs to have a huge combine. And Greg Little, the wide receiver from North Carolina, 220-pound wideout, had the second-highest grade of any senior wide receiver heading into this year. He was suspended. Those three kids coming off suspension, I think it's a huge week for them, and they're going to be 12 Tar Heels at the combine. And who needs to have the best interview in the interview room? (laughs) Ah. (laughs) I only asked the right questions. Ryan Mallett, I would start with, because people are going to be all over Ryan Mallett. About off-the-field scenarios. Off-the-field, work ethic, decision-making, yeah. He he needs a big, big... He and Fairley, I would say, are the two guys that need to win in the interview room at night. And how about on the board? Who needs to get on the board by... And for those who may not know that, uh, in the interview process, there is, what, I guess a grease board in a way, or a chalkboard. Yeah. Uh-huh. And coaches put the players on the board, as they say, basically tell them, uh, have, a, have them run through coverages, have them run through their favorite plays, 
et cetera, et cetera, showing off their X's and O's acumen or potentially lack thereof. Who needs to get on the board and impress at this combine? I think typically that group are the quarterbacks because they're the ones that do most of the XO's. So a guy like, you know, here we go, Cam Newton, mm-hmm. who's going to go from a very simple pass offense at Auburn where it was he took one look and either the ball was out or he was out. And it's going to be real interesting because he's been working with a quarterback coach and, you know, he's, he's trying to learn the verbiage of NFL teams. And him in those meeting rooms dealing with, A, what happened at the University of Florida in his background, and then, B, his ability to process and assemble. What they'll do, Rich, they might throw some tape on the board, turn the tape off and say, okay, now go up to the grease board and show us what we saw, coverage. You know, that's the kind of thing they're going to challenge him with. How quickly can he pick up information? So Cam Newton's got a, he's got a shine in that yep. situation, you think? Yep. Absolutely. All right. I'm looking forward to this, Mike. And, and again, uh, part of the reason why I had you on was not only because you're the best at this. Uh, secondly, I'm going to listen to this interview about four or five different times on the flight out to Indianapolis as part of my <laughs> studying for this thing. And third, I wanted to hear the voice. I wanted to hear how hardy your voice is. I wanted to test. I wanted to kick the the, uh, the health tires, to be very honest. And, and you sound good. You sound ready to go. And, and uh, I I'm, I'm, couldn't be more thrilled to hear that. I am ready to go, big boy. Let's have some fun. And, you're and, gonna and t- by the way, I can't let you go without asking you a question. Okay. I need the over-under mm. for your 40. <laughs> and I also want to know <laughs> yes. what you'll be wearing. Because there's been rumors that you might be wearing that new uh, Under Armour shirt that yes. designates all the, you know, the... Explosion. The heartbeat and stuff like that. Yes. Uh, we're, uh, you're, giving, you're giving away a little bit of my trade secrets or my tricks up my sleeve for this combine. But yes, there'll be some interesting... Uh, um, I guess um, haberdashery involved. There's going to be a grand entrance this time oh. around. Yeah, wow. we're stepping it up a little bit here. Um, but it's still all about me and that forty yard dash. Uh, it's it's me against the forty, as always. It's just going to come. Under. It's just going to come down. Well, last year, um, you you slow time me. I'm going to put it that way. You had me <laughs> six two five, but uh, uh, Gorsick, uh, the 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 Pittsburgh Steelers scout. Who's always on the forty-yard dash line? He had me six-two-four, so I'm going to take that one. There's a reason they have him at the beginning and not the end, because <laughs> he can hit start but not stop. I love it. Uh, I'm going to go. I, I I don't think I'm going to do sub-six. It would be an absolute dream to do sub-six. Um, I'm going to go. I would love to do six-ten. Okay. Is All that right. a, is that a good goal? I mean, you tell yeah. me. I know I like it. I, you're still in your prime. You just had a second baby. <laughs> I'm a little true. worried about your sleep, but, but yeah. we'll see how you get out of the block. All right. I appreciate it, Mike. It won't be uh, anything if you're not there, so <laughs> I appreciate that. We'll be ready. All right, Mike. Thanks again, bud. You got it, man. That's Mike Mayock, everybody. The expert, the maven, the number one source for all things combine, certainly uh, as we get ready for exclusive coverage of it right here on NFL Network. I also want to get all of you folks the perspective of one of the players, if you will, in the stands, one of the folks who will be doing the evaluating. And uh, for that, I uh, turn to the general manager of the Atlanta Falcons, joining us on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's before his fourth scouting combine as the GM of the NFC South champion Atlanta Falcons, Thomas Dimitrov, joining us here on the podcast. How are you there, Thomas? I'm doing well, Rich. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to have you. So uh, are you fresh out of a lengthy meeting there in Flowery Branch in Georgia? Are you fresh out? Actually, we are. Um, We had uh, some pretty in-depth 
free agency meetings this morning, uh, actually the last five hours. And obviously we don't know uh, what's happening here at, at, that, at this point, but right. it's always very, very important to discuss free agency leading into uh, our, our focus on the draft, and that's a big part of, of my uh, approaching both free agency and the draft. To juxtapose both the draft and free agency is, is vital as far as team building. So because it, that, that will affect uh... – who you're who you're evaluating at the combine, or or do you come in with a plan like saying we might go after this guy in free agency, and then some kid leaps out of the gym in Lucas Oil and might uh, rearrange all the deck chairs you just talked about for the last five hours in your meeting? Well, I think it's, what happens is you you look at free agency and you determine where the strengths in free agency may be, and and this year more than ever, more precarious than ever, obviously, but. You, you, and then you look at what possibly is out there in the draft, and then you, you sort of gauge where you want your focus to be. That doesn't mean you won't focus on all the positions in free agency as, as far as evaluating or you know, in your draft preparation, but you have more of an idea of where you want to u- utilize most of your energy and uh, a lot of your resources. At least that's how I like to approach it. Is Mr. Blank involved in that process where you're talking about free agency? Since I guess he's, he's the purse strings right there. He is the purse strings, and, and yes, he is involved, and he will. Uh, we had some great discussion with him as far as purse strings go. Yes, and um, you know he's, he's always very, um, you know, he's always very open, and, and as, as you know, he's a very generous owner, and, and as long as yeah. we can prove that, uh, you know, what we need is is worth the money, uh, he, he's definitely open to discussing. So he was in that meeting, that five-hour meeting you just had. He was. Arthur is, uh, is, you know, he's, he's a very interested owner that way, not crossing the lines at all, just very, and I say that with all due respect, but, I mean, he's very mindful. We have great discussion and, you know, talk about it as, as it pertains to our team and, you know, the finances and being fiscally responsible. Uh, he, he's, he's very good in those discussions. Do you have to ask for the hall pass at some point in a five-hour meeting from him? I mean, that's that's a long meeting with the boss right there. Do you... It's a long meeting, and, and uh, there, there, is, there are hints of levity, which is all, you know, are, yes. are appreciated at, at so many lengths. And, that, you know, listen, we have, uh, we have some very good discussion, and the hall pass is, you know, we, we luckily for us, yep. hey, Arthur likes food, and he's, he's very generous with his food as well, so it's catered very well. Catering! No, it's good. So we uh, we have a good time, and we eat well, and we have some good discussions. All right. Very good. And so then uh, now uh, you get set to go to a combine. How do you approach a scouting combine as the uh, grocery shopper of the Atlanta Falcons? You know, things have changed quite a bit, uh, Rich, as, as you know. I mean, I think it was only last year that you sent some, someone hawking into our Sweet uh, mm-hmm. to take a piece of pizza. Yes, indeed. Um, so, so back in the day, used to all the you know all of the what you call players earlier on, all the scouts, the general managers, and the coaches are down you know in the stands watching. Now, each team, uh, most teams actually uh, rent a you know a suite upstairs for um, you know usually the general manager, the head coach, and you know the the coordinators here and there, and we discuss at length while we're watching. The drills uh, in, a, in a much more secure setting, you know, the uh, sort of the approach and direction that we're going to take as far as you know possibly picking the team. So uh, all the all the workers are down there doing what they need to do and timing and, and uh, running the players through the drills. And we have a lot of our our scouts down on the on the field working as well as some of our coaches coaching the drills. 
while we're upstairs, uh, you know, talking about, you know, team building and, and watching the players. And, and that's only part of it, as you know, because we also go through myriad interviews with right. a lot of the players. And uh, there's a lot involved there. And I, I think it's, a, it's such a, a vital part of our scouting process to be at the Combine. Now, but you, you cannot interview all 330 kids, though. I mean, you only get, what is it, 60? You get basically right. 60 interviews. How, how, how do you decide who you want to interview? We're, we're, we're pretty good about uh, being ahead of the game here, and I, I'm, I'm proud of the way that our department works with Les Need and, and a lot of Vitell and Dave Caldwell. They're, a very good, uh, they're very good managers as far as personnel directors, and they, they weed through uh, you know, a lot of the players that may not fit our, you know, our style of play, um, our character uh, prototypes that we're looking for. So uh, we go into the combine with uh, a, real, uh, a pretty darn narrow focus, and I like that because I feel like we can really hone in on, uh, you know, our focus group and not, uh, you know, sort of uh, digress or deviate from, from our approach. So you're saying um, your scouts and your, your uh, folks in your talent evaluation department, for the lack of a better phrase, weed out some of the guys that don't fit a certain mold that you consider an Atlanta Falcon, and therefore they're not considered interview worthy. Is that what you're saying, basically? Well, not not necessarily interview worthy. We we are very particular about the the people that we interview at the combine as well. Uh, when we're out in March, Rich, we'll we'll follow up with a lot of travels around the country, um, a lot of trips and travels around the country to to interview and work out players. So. We, we take it all into consideration, what we can do at the Combine, what we can do in the spring, and what we can do in our top 30 visits in April when we're allowed to bring you know, players up to our building in Flowery Branch. So it, there are a lot of people in the very end that we end up interviewing. You combine that, Rich, as well with a lot of our coaches that are out in the main room in the, in the uh, Holiday Inn interviewing players. So we enter, end up interviewing most of the players anyway. It's just we have a select few that we actually bring into our meeting room at the Combine, and we are very particular about that group. Yeah, because those are the guys that you get for, I believe, 15 minutes, right? You get them for that's, 15 minutes yeah. each. That's correct. And, and, you know, sometimes we use the 15 minutes uh, if there are certain issues that we need to address. Uh, sometimes we just need to get the players up on the, on the grease board to see, you know, determine what their football knowledge may be, albeit fairly brief at least we get an idea of where their uh, football intelligence level may be. Sometimes, you know, honestly, five minutes into an interview, if you're talking to a top-notch kid with no issues, you're kind of twiddling your thumbs, you're ready to move on. Right. So no disrespect, you'd rather, uh, you know, move on to the next person that you actually need to glean more information from. Who runs those meetings? Mike Smith? Those interviews? No, uh, no you know, myself and, and Mike uh, are, um, you know, tied at the hip in so many things as far as the team building and, and acquiring you know, and we our personnel directors that are in there. So it's 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 there are a few people that are running it. We we direct it and 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 you know listen to the the dialogue and such. And you know um, our our owner will be in there with for select uh, interviews as well. So that's a good opportunity for him to meet his next potential. Uh, uh, um, high high salary yeah, player, right? It's in, I've been in I've been in those rooms. It's really odd to be very honest with you because they're they're converted uh, like double bed rooms that you know normal families who come into Indianapolis for uh, whatever uh, tourism or sightseeing they care to do. If they come in from the Indy Five Hundred, that's the room they stay in, and you just what yank the beds out of the room, right, and create your own meeting room in a room like that. 
You know what? And we try to be really creative with those bedboards that are still slapped <laughs> up against the wall. I know. It's unbelievable. <laughs> what do you mean to, you're creative with them? Yeah, well, you know, you might stick some, some flowers or some... Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> I, you know, we, we actually put in our own pictures, and we, we try to morph that, that room into the Atlanta Falcons annex. And, and uh, we, we try to make it as much... Our situation and our approach is to make it as much as a living room as possible. We want it to be very relaxed. We don't want it to be an interrogation situation at all. We've actually, over the years, we've really uh, pared down the, uh, the, the numbers in this room. And obviously we'd love to have everyone in there. We'd love to have all of our scouts. We'd love to have the entire coaching staff. We can't. And quite honestly, we end up having uh, maybe five or six people in there at the very most. We want to make it comfortable. We want to have a conversational setup, and, and that's our approach. Yeah, I mean, every every team gets a sort of a converted hotel room on the first floor of this hotel in Indianapolis and makes it their own room. And you're right. I I, the, I went in the Steelers' room once, and the 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 headboards that that are uh, you know they're still on the wall. They're still attached to the wall. They just removed the beds from the room, and and you just have to create your own setting and then there's a guy out in the in in the middle of the i guess the atrium who blows an air horn to let you know that your time is up basically yeah that 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 dang uh blow horn sometimes it's 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 unbelievable (laughs) you know so so uh, that's at night though right that's basically at night that is at night and you know i will say that we've refined this over the years rich and i don't know uh, i'd say 15 years plus ago uh, it, it was mayhem in that in in the hotel because we there were the credentials weren't as as uh, you know monitored I guess you'd say so we would have riffraff from all over the United States in the hotel pulling on players and you know we, we just didn't have the same control now it's very structured uh, you know Jeff Foster and the, and the cats at, at National uh, NIC do a great job in organizing this. So now everything is very structured. You have the, you know, before, Rich, we would walk down the hall, and the bigger the scout or the coach that you had to muscle someone mm. to get that guy into your room, it was archaic, and, and, and quite honestly, it, was, it, was, it, 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 it smacked of, you know, the 1920s or 30s. It was just like, what is going on here? We, we have to, we're a lot more intelligent than this. We need to really uh, hone in on how we're going to control this. So we we have a lot more control now, and and it's we get a lot more out of it now than than the uh, the the, the uh, little rubbing of the shoulders that have happened before. Yeah, and I've heard of a get back coach, but I've never I've never heard of a get away from my prospect coach. Basically, the uh, tugs of war. I've heard there used to be fist fights back in the day to make sure that a kid got into your meeting room as opposed to another team's. We've had all types of things happen there. We've had people, one guy walked into the pool, you know, the, the yeah. pool setting. He was back in the in, There's an in-ground pool. Because, again, this is like a regular hotel that families stay at 51 other weeks of the year. It's just that this, the NFL and the scouting combine uh, commandeers it for the weekend. It's unbelievable. It's an in-ground pool, right? Yeah, it was an in-ground pool. This young guy was trying to cajole a player to come to their, you know, his uh, interview room, and he was backing up while he was talking to him. Like, come on, please, please come my way. Guy steps into the pool and does a complete uh, Nestle plunge. <laughs> That's right. Oh my gosh! So your day begins crack of dawn. What? When did your day begin yeah. at the combine? It, it definitely is a crack of dawn. If you want to get your workout in, if if you're a workout person, you have to get up early, and that's that's right. when it begins. And and uh, it's a busy time. I tell my wife all the time. Truly, I truly am busy uh, from the beginning of the day till the end, and that's you know we're we're busy for you know for the drills, for the interviews. You may pop in a a team meal here and there, 
Um, but but it's a busy time as well. You get an opportunity to see a lot of the you know your your uh, GM cohorts or scouting cohorts or, or coaching friends uh, during this time as well to to discuss football. And it's 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 gener- generally a very good time to get together and talk. Yeah, I know. It, it's a very it, it, that's another thing I like about the combine too is you see a lot of coaches and scouts in a very relaxed setting. I know it's a very serious business, obviously, and. But uh, when the whistle blows, uh, you see some guys around town. The Steak and Shake at in, in Indianapolis is a place to see tons of coaches during the scouting yeah. combine and general managers too. But I'm told you're you're a vegan, so we're not going to see you there, correct? Well, uh, you know, I was vegan for almost 14 years. Uh, I do eat a little bit of fish now. But the funniest thing, Arthur remembers the very first year that I was trying to fit in. Yes. And we we stopped at the Steak and Shake, and there I was partaking in a milkshake and French fries, no meat. But uh, somehow he was scratching his head like this seems counterintuitive. Yeah, I know. There's no tofu and shake. I don't think in Indianapolis. I don't think there's no, one. No, you know, because there, it's just it, there's there's basically it's steakhouses and nothing else. And there there's actually one place, Ocean Air, that that uh, I like to go to. There's a nice fish place. Is that where you oh, go to sometimes? I do go to Ocean Air. It's it's off the beaten path a little bit, and it uh, it, it's a good time there. But I, but yeah, it's a, it it really is a very productive you know uh, week. And uh, like you said, a lot of hard work. And and you know, you, by the end of the week, you're obviously quite enervated, but you're you know, you've you've kind of you're ready to get get on to the next stage, and that's the the springtime when you're going out to do your spring workout. Do you know a specific group that you're going to be focused on right now? I'm obviously you're going to look at everybody. I understand, but uh, you you must have some knowledge in house about your needs. And do you go in at least with a specific group? Like I'm going to definitely pull up a chair and watch these guys work out. Yeah, there's no question about that. I think most teams will go in, you know, with a handful of positions that they truly need to hone in on. Uh, again, they'll, they'll have their chairs pulled up. They'll have they'll have their full force, both coaches and scouts, you know, uh, on the perch watching closely. And, and that happens, you know, that happens for again a handful of positions. And it's 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 productive. And and quite honestly, you get a chance to in between then you you get a chance to to talk to other other teams as well. And and that's always positive. And uh, how can you? Percentage-wise, do me this favor. Break down the importance of the combine in terms of physical to the on-field drills to the interview room. What, how, what, what do you place in terms of importance for a general manager walking in the combine this week? Well, I, I think the uh, – I'm, I'm a uh, – I enjoy and something that's very, very important to me as far as evaluation is athleticism and movement. And, and I'm not talking about – evaluating ballet dancers and their, the fluidity of movement that way, Rich, obviously. I'm talking about movement. doesn't matter if the guy's an offensive guard tackle or a defensive end or a corner or a running back or receiver. I like to see movement. I like to see the fluidity, the recoverability, what I refer to as urgent athleticism. I know that you can't see contact power and, and strength necessarily on the field in those drills, but you do get an opportunity to really hone in on the athleticism and how it may be juxtaposed to other players at that same at the same position, you know, across the board, and and I do enjoy that. I think it's it's a it's a great opportunity. Some people argue, well, they're just in their in their shorts and t-shirts. How do you really gauge football players? My feeling is, if you've done your work as far as evaluated off of video, like you should do, then this this just supplements your opinion, and, and I think it's invaluable. Yeah, I mean, just, just to the the average fan, and I sometimes sit there like, why do we make 
offensive lineman run the full 40-yard dash? I mean, how many times have you seen O lineman actually run 40 yards unless they do Dan Connolly, I guess, on a kickoff for the Patriots? But, you know, you don't really see that much, a three-cone drill. I mean, do you really take a look at these numbers and, and, and raise a flag with any of these guys? There, there definitely are flag raisers, and there, there are, you know, asterisks that you an asterisk that you're going to put beside your your names or on your boards, whatever those boards may be, uh, a high or low workout that would have you revisit a certain player. No question about it. I'm vehemently opposed to you know uh, drastically lowering or rising or raising a player on our draft board because of the workout at the combine. Again, it just confirms certain issues that uh, may be present or confirm the fact that, hey, this, this player is an elite athlete and he belongs exactly where we have him and we shouldn't second guess. Um, you know, the other part of your question, Rich, you had asked about you know, the, the interview side and the medical side. Obviously, yep. the medical side is huge for us at the combine. It's, an op- combine. it's an opportunity to have all of these players come under one tent to, you know, to, to truly be evaluated uh, you know, with some of the, the best medical minds in this country and, uh, again, something that is incredibly valuable to us. Yeah, I was once told by a prospect that uh, he was asked by a doctor if he would ever broken uh, a bone in his leg, and he said, yeah, when I was a sophomore in high school. And the doctor nailed it, basically, eight years later just by looking at uh, an X-ray. It's pretty unbelievable, the microscope, literally, that these players have put under in the combine. Oh, I mean, you couldn't even begin to imagine at so many levels, uh, you know, how they're scrutinized physically. As you can imagine now, there's so much money involved in these players, mm-hmm. and your organization is riding on the success of these players, the, the money involved, the health of these players, that we better get it right. And, and uh, again, it's great to have our, our, our full force of doctors here so that we can feel comfortable when we are pulling the tag off the board that we, we feel we have it taken care of as much as possible couple, medically. A couple more questions for you before you ask me for the hall pass. I know we've gone on a little bit long here, uh, Thomas. A couple more questions for you. First one is how much is a labor uncertainty um, affecting your evaluation process at the Combine? In not one bit. Uh, this, as you know, the, the, uh, the draft and the process has been grandfathered in, so we we are truly, and I know you hate this cliche, but we are truly business as usual. It's the only way that we know how to approach it, and then that's how we are approaching it. No, I, I don't hate that cliche, Thomas. The, the, the cliche I hate is I don't have a crystal ball. That one well, I hate. It know? is what it is. It is what it is. It's a great one. Or how? This is my all-time favorite. You can only control what you can control. <laughs> that's one of my favorite ones. Those are the ones I hate. I don't mind the business as usual. You can, use okay. it. you can use it again, as a matter of fact. Uh, okay. and, and a couple of combines ago, you had a pretty big coin flip, didn't you? We did. Uh, that was an opportunity to get in there and, and flip for Matt Ryan, quite honestly. Because <laughs> it's it unbelievable. Our, it was our third overall pick, and we were uh, flipping with, at that point, uh, Kansas City and Oakland, I believe. Uh, yes. And there I was, neophyte general manager, in my, uh, you know, uh, I was standing there. Funny, funny story. Um, I go in to flip the coin, and some of the brass from the league, I won't mention names, okay. Joel Butzer, and then we laugh about it today. Um, he, he looks at me, he's like, and who in the hell are you? And I said, well, I'm the general manager of the talking. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, you know, he did. Here I am, new to the scene. You know, I'm in there flipping a coin. So we, we, I call, uh, excuse me, I call tails, and we flip for, you know, we get the third pick overall. We are able to, to pick Matt Ryan and, and, the, here we are. So tails does, in fact, never fail in your estimation. 
in my estimation, I, I, I would suggest that is the case. That is so. the case. You know what? I mean, do you ever think about that at any point? Obviously, you got so much on your mind and and the excitement and the drama and the adrenaline of a game. But do you ever think in the middle of a game when Matt Ryan is doing his Matty Ice thing, what if it came up heads? Oh, no, no question about it. I have the coin in my office here, and I look at it every day, and it, it reminds me of – you know how how fleeting you know the the successes can be or cannot be in this league and 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 it's it's quite amazing to think by you know by the grace of the flip of that coin that we could be we could have picked a defensive tackle no offense to at that point it probably would have been you know uh, Glenn Dorsey uh from LSU because that was who we were who we were knocking around no offense to him at all just the fact that we would have a defensive tackle uh, in, in lieu of a quarterback at three uh, or four or five, whenever we would have picked, uh, would have changed the, the, the uh, complexion of this team. No question about that. And uh, I don't usually pat myself on the back, although that's not true. I did with Mike Mayock just moments ago. I just got through this entire interview with Thomas without asking you a specific question about your your strategy, and I didn't force you to say, well, I can't go into that. I can't talk about specifics. I didn't, I didn't force you to do that. So I'm going to pat myself on the back here. Well, in the spirit of patting on the back, it is what it is, and we'll move forward. <laughs> yes! Well done. Business as usual. It's just business <laughs> as usual. Hey, and, and I don't know if, you, if you're if you on Sunday night. We have an Oscar party. NFL Network has a gathering. If you want to, I'll save you a seat. I don't know if you're a movie buff or not, but uh, that's what we do on Sunday nights at the Combine. Where where is that? I don't know yet. We're, 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 still, we're still searching around for a place. Uh, last year, I believe it was at the Hyatt. It gets bigger every year. We get a bigger, a bigger group for the network every year. So if you're up, I'll, I'll let you know. I would uh, take you up on that offer. It'll be a, a little bit of a rest, but that'd be great. Yeah, and I'll make sure there's fish on the menu for you. Please do. Thank you. That's the way I roll. Thomas, thanks for calling in. As always, I appreciate it. Thank you, and I look forward to seeing you at the combine. You bet. That's Thomas Dimitrov. There is no meat in Dimitrov, right? See? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas, thanks for joining us on the podcast. You thanks, Rich. You bet. That's the general manager of the Atlanta Falcons joining the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's. So it is Oscar weekend. Let's not forget, you've got the Combine and the Oscars. Of course, only we at NFL Network would ever put the two together, but it just it's odd that most Oscar weekends always fall on the Sunday of the uh, NFL Scouting Combine. So we, we, as I mentioned before, we have an Oscar gathering and of the entire seven years that NFL Network has been on the air, now eight full seasons, uh, there's only been one analyst we've ever had on NFL Network who stands head and shoulders above the rest in terms of being a movie maven, a movie expert. And so he is the one that I'm calling in to the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's to run down the major Academy Awards that will be handed out this week and who should come home with Oscar Gold, and who knows that better than Jim Mora Sr. joining us on the podcast. How are you, Coach? Rich, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good doing, to talk to you. Good to talk to you, too. So uh, are you ready for Oscar Sunday? I'm ready. I'm ready. I've seen, uh, yeah, I've seen all but a couple of the major the ones up for Best Picture, and okay. uh, I'm ready to go for it. Let's go. Okay, well, before we do, though, I want to I want to get your background out here. Okay. Because you, you grew up on a movie lot, essentially? Okay, here's the deal. My dad, my dad was a film editor at 20th Century Fox for many, many years mm-hmm. in, on Pico Boulevard in West L.A., and we lived right down the street on Malcolm Avenue, which is just a couple blocks east of Westwood there on Pico, mm-hmm. 
And uh, a couple summers, I worked at the Fox studio when I was in college. One summer, I was a, a grip guy that we came in and loaded up all the electrical stuff. And then, and then one summer, I actually was up on the, the catwalks as, as a lamp operator when they were shooting uh, the, the scenes down below. So What movies? What movies were you uh, gripping there? There's No Business Like Show Business was one of them. This kind of <laughs> tells you my age. No. And, and the other one was, um, oh, uh, Napoleon uh, was... Um, it was about uh, Marlon Brando was in it. Gene Simmons, I can't think of it now. It was he was he played Napoleon. She was his wife. Uh-huh. God, I can't think of the name of it right now. But that's what you worked. So you worked on a Brando movie, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, I worked on a Brando movie. It was really fun watching those guys. You know, between scenes, how they reacted, what they said, how they did things. I, I loved it. Did, yeah. you, did you ever have any personal interaction with uh, with, with any of the uh, actors? Well, well a couple a couple of times when I accompanied my dad to work. Uh, I got to meet. One day, I met Tyrone Power. You remember him? Of course, sure. <laughs> Old time guy. We were mm-hmm. on. We were walking across the parking lot, and 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 my dad introduced me to him. Um, I, I can't remember really meeting too many of them. And then a- after after he left Fox, mm-hmm. he was the supervising film editor for the Art Linkletter People Are Funny television show for for all the time that it was on. So you were exposed to film and TV, the the whole right. Hollywood aspect of Los Angeles ever since you were a kid. That's right. That's right. Did I you ever it. wanted to get go into that instead of coaching? Or not really? I never thought much about it. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so you chose the right profession. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, you did. You did. You did. You did. So then, and so now, you're just a film buff. You, you. I just your... love to go to movies. I love movies. My wife likes movies. We go to them a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. we'd, I'd love to go to more, but uh, yeah, I, I love them. And, and and I've never been to many that that disappoint me. Where, where I came out of there, you know, not saying, hey, you know, a lot of guys that go to the, friends of mine that go to movies. Did you like it? No, I didn't like it. There's not many where I didn't where I come out and say, well, I didn't like it. You know what I mean? I, I, I there. Some I like better than others. You've never were... walked out on a movie? No, never did. Never? No. My wife and I just walked out on one a couple Which months one? ago. Which one? And I hate to say it because it, it looked so funny, but due date. My wife and oh, I. Oh, yeah. I, wa- I saw it. We, wa- we walked it, out on that. It wasn't that funny. I mean, I. It was you know. stunning how unfunny that movie was. I know. It wasn't that I funny. Because, you know, it, the guy who did. Uh, uh, the Hangover, which is hilarious. Yeah, it's one of I my know. Favorite. I love the ha- saw the Hangover twice. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, I loved it. <laughs> now, have you? Have hey, you... I got to tell you one thing. The sure. one movie I walked out of, not not in one movie when I left the movie, uh-huh. and this has never happened to me before. Yeah, and it's one of the it's one of the movies up for best motion picture of the year. Mm-hmm. I was depressed, and I had a sick feeling in my stomach. Uh huh. Can you guess what it might be for this this year's best picture? Yeah, this yeah. year. Oh man, I was very it, depressed. It can't be Toy Story three, Jim. No, <laughs> the Black Swan. Yeah, that's a that's a dark movie. Man. Oh man, I walked out of there. I was down. I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, that, it was, that's dark stuff. Yeah. Anyway, the Black Swan. But yeah. there's some fun. There's some fun scenes in that movie too. Oh yeah, and yeah, we'll, we'll get to the <laughs> actor and actress. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's get to it now. These right. are the 83rd Academy you Awards. Now, I'm going to tell you what what I you want me to tell you what I who I think will win or what I thought. Well, here's the... what I want to do. I want to go. I, you know that that's that's an interesting thing. How how are we going to do this? I think we're, what I want to do is is uh, just mention a, an award and you tell me. You know, we can run down who's nominated. Yeah. You can run down what you like, what you don't like, and then we'll 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 play a drum roll because this is the Academy Awards podcast, Rich Eisen podcast version. We'll drum roll it. You'll announce who you think should win. 
and then we'll go from there. Okay. Okay. All right. So these are the 83rd Academy Awards, uh, according to Jim Morris Sr., starting with Best Supporting Actress. The nominees are Amy Adams, The Fighter, Helena Bonham Carter, The King's Speech, Melissa Leo, The Fighter, Haley Steinfeld, True Grit, and Jackie Weaver, Animal Kingdom. What do you think of this group, Jim? Okay, I, I saw all of them except the last one. I did not see Animal Kingdom, so okay. I can't say anything about Jackie Weaver. But I saw the other four. I thought they were all outstanding, mm-hmm. but I do have my pick. You do have your pick. All right, the Best Supporting actor, uh, the best supporting Actress for the 83rd Academy Awards, according to Jim Mora. And the uh, award goes to... Melissa Leo in The Fighter. <laughs> Why is that? Because I thought she was great. I just... You know, I, I looked at the little girl in, in True Grit, Haley Steinfeld, and mm-hmm. uh, it was good. She did a great job. Helen Bonham Carter did a great job. Amy Adams, I didn't think, did as good a job in The Fighter as Melissa Leo. Just, I don't know, it was just a, a great character, and, and I thought the acting was superb, and I, and I think she should get the award. You know, she, my wife and I, we saw it, and she hated the mother character in the film. Really? Yes. You're, you're, well, because she was so good. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, yeah, I know. Like, I but know. to the point, though, where she was upset that, she couldn't buy the, the, the mother-son relationship in the movie because she couldn't believe that the, the son didn't go tell her to go, you know, oh, yeah. I know. to go do it, you know, stick it Ooh. where the sun don't shine because she was so good. What know? I like about when, when, when I see an actor or an actress portraying something that they're not like in real life, you know what I mean? Doing something different, really mm-hmm. different. I, like, like Haley Steinfeld. I mean, she's a little girl p- p- portraying a little girl, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I know it's a totally different role than what she is in real life. Right. I, I don't know. I just thought Melissa Leo was, was good, really, really something. You know, though, the because the I have some insider knowledge here, Jim, just to let you know. Okay, she, she I appar- believe it. She, <laughs> she sent out, apparently, Melissa Leo sent out uh, pictures of herself uh, two Academy uh, members who were voting, basically just saying, consider me. Really? Yeah. And a Is lot that, of people, I don't know. I mean, that make people mad? I mean, well, let me ask you this question. How many MVP quarterbacks go around saying <laughs> you should vote for me? Not many. You know what I mean? No, I, think, I know. You know what I mean? So I think, yeah. I think, I think they may, the, the young girl mm. may win it. But, really? Uh, yeah, I think she may. No kidding. And Helena, well, Bonham, Helena Bonham Carter might be swept yeah. up in the King's speech, uh, tsunami that's expected but you like yeah Mel- I, yeah that that's that's that could happen you can never discount that you know no, i know i know but you like melissa leo i like melissa leo i like that pick too deep down though because they got to give the fighter something yeah i know they got to get it give it give it something they definitely de- do well yeah. it could be this next one best supporting actor right. let's get to the nominees for best supporting actor are christian bale in the fighter john hawks winter's bone jeremy renner the Town, Mark Ruffalo, The Kids Are All Right, and Jeffrey Rush, The King's Speech. What do you think of this group? Okay, I think it's a good group. I didn't. I have not seen Winner's Bone. Okay. It's, it's playing out here in the desert. It's only playing like one time at a theater in the morning, 11.15. So I, right. that interferes with my golf game. So, I, But I saw The Fighter, The Town, The Kids Are All Right, The King's Speech. I think it comes down to two guys, either Christian Bale and The Fighter, or Jeffrey Rush in the King's Speech. I think those are the two guys that uh, one of those guys ought to ought to win it. I what'd thought you, they were both outstanding. What'd you think of the Kids Are All Right? What'd you think? I, of it was movie? a great movie. I loved the movie. I, it was a movie. I walked out of that movie feeling really good, really happy. I thought it was outstanding. I thought Mark Ruffalo did a good job. 
So he deserves the nomination, you think? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think so. And I like yeah. the town also. The town was really uh, was was really enjoyable. That was a nice piece of cotton candy, the town. I enjoyed I, that. I enjoyed the town. You know, my son Jim, who you know very well, yes. works for NFL. He, he called me and he, when the town first came out, and he says, Dad, you got to go see the town. I saw it last night, and it was really, really good, you know. So we went and saw it, and, and I liked it. And me being a Yankee fan, I like it when any, anybody knocks over Fenway Park like that. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. That was like a vicarious thrill that someone was going to, you know. All right, so uh, according to Jim Mora Sr., the Best Supporting Actor Award goes to... Christian Bale in The Fighter. Ah, very nice. Okay, so yeah, he, he, sort of, he sort of transformed himself to another person in that respect. You know, you know, he... he he lost all that weight. I, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, of course, I saw the previews before I saw the movie, and, I, and I'm seeing, I'm saying, I wonder if, he, if he's sick or he did this on purpose or was the brother, of course, he was a druggie, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and he, he had to look like a druggie, but uh, I thought he did a great job. I mean, certainly um, something different from what he normally portrays, you know, in movies. I, I thought he was outstanding. Jeffrey was a, Rush may sneak in there, though. Yeah, he might. He was he might. great. He was great, too, yeah. But uh, that, to me, those two were again. I didn't see, I didn't see uh, Winners John Hawks. But right. I, to me, those two were were quite a bit ahead of maybe Ruffalo and, and Jeremy Renner. Yeah, in my yeah. Jeffrey Rush may get it, but Christian Bell. So you think the fighter takes both supporting awards? I do. I okay. Do. All yeah. right. Yeah. All right. Let's now get to uh, let's get to best director. Let's go there. Let's do that. Best director. Uh, the nominees for best director are Darren Aronofsky. Black Swan, David O. Russell, The Fighter, Tom Hooper, The King's Speech, David Fincher, The Social Network, and the Cone Brothers, Joel and Ethan for True Grit. What do you think of this group? Well, usually, doesn't the the best director usually follow the the, the movie? Yeah, they do. They I mean, do, but that... sometimes they split it. Sometimes they split it. You know what happens? Okay. Well, I'm going. I'm going. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with with uh, David Fincher with the, uh, the social, social network. Social network, yeah. I, I was, love that movie. Man, that was great. I love that movie. I think I, that's gonna win for uh, for best adapted screenplay. I think they're gonna give that uh, that award to I, uh, to to the social network. Yeah, I you loved know, it. And Aaron Sorkin, that was an incredible screenplay. That was great. It so, was great. so you think you 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 um well I mean you know the King's speech was pretty good too. I know. I mean I the King's speech everybody's talking it about may sweep, uh, it, it may sweep. It may sweep. I can't speak sweep. I, I when I when I saw well uh, we'll get to the best picture and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, we will. Right. It was a great movie. I mean everybody told me how good it was before I saw it and I loved it. I now loved when you King's see speech. films do you do you notice, you know, certain shots last long? I mean, do you notice the directing when you go to, to a, a little film? bit. I just try to go in there and try to enjoy the darn thing. You know, some people mm-hmm. come out and analyze it a lot more than I than I do. But right. uh, I just, I don't know. I just sit there and try to enjoy. Just the movie. soak it in. Do you well, soak it in? That's do you right. do you popcorn it up? Oh, I love. How can you go to a movie without popcorn and a and a, and a diet coke? I mean, it's they go together. A movie, popcorn without butter and a diet coke. Do you? I mean, do you oh, so you butter it up? You do, you go butter. No butter. No butter. Okay. No butter. All right. No, so, you, no so, so popcorn, no, no butter. No, you gotta have popcorn. Even if I go to a movie after I've had a big dinner, I still get popcorn. Do you ever drop the raisinets in the popcorn? <laughs> no. It's so good, Jim. You gotta be kidding oh, me. Oh, no, you gotta try it. <laughs> Maybe some M&M's in there. And you, cause uh, you, cause you gotta I don't get think the, I'll do that, Rich. Oh, you gotta get a bite of the chocolate with the popcorn sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's a nice surprise. No, try I'm it. Not. Try it. 
Try it. If you go see Winner's Bone or something like that, give that a whirl. At 11.15 in the morning? Okay. Okay, so Best Director, the, the, uh, the award goes to... The Social Network, David Fincher. All David. right, all right. So we yeah. go David Fincher right there, The Social Network. And that would be uh, that'd be a big win. That'd be a big win because that would okay, also. Okay, I'm going with it. But as also you say, that will be that's an indication, as they say. I that know. would be that would be a harbinger. That would be a sign that maybe that's the best picture. Let's get to the actor and actress award. Best actress is uh, a field of heavyweights. We've got Annette Bening and the kids are all right. Nicole Kidman in Rabbit Hole, which I didn't see. I didn't either. All right, Jennifer Lawrence in Winter's Bone, which you've already established you didn't see. Natalie Portman, a lot of people have her as the favorite in Black Swan, and Michelle Williams from Blue Valentine. What do you think of this group of actors? Okay, here's the deal. I only saw I only saw the kids are all right, Annette Benning and Natalie Portman in the Black Swan. The, the, the rabbit hole looked too sad for me. Winter's Bone, I've, we've talked about, I haven't yeah. seen. A lot of people told me the Blue Valentine was not a good movie. In fact, I didn't talk to anybody that said, man, I really like this movie, so I haven't seen Michelle Williams in that movie. But I so. think the two movies that you saw, that's the favorites, because Annette, right. Annette Benning, I believe, won the Golden Globe, and Natalie Portman um, Natalie Portman is, is winning everything else. So it's basically a choice between those two. So the Best Actress Award goes to... Natalie Portman in Black Swine Up. Even though I, the movie depressed me and gave me a stomachache, <laughs> I, I thought I think I went into that movie a little depressed, Rich. Anyway, did you? But any, I thought she was fabulous, just fabulous. I mean, the acting was great. I was on the, you know, I I, I didn't go to sleep or doze. I mean, I was in in <laughs> enthralled with the movie. I sat there. I mean, I was into the movie, but man, it depressed me. But it's I thought she dark. was outstanding. It's yeah. dark, man. Yeah. That... my wife liked it. Connie liked it. Connie liked it. Women like it. Women like the Black yeah. Swan. I told every guy I know. I said, don't go see it. But women like women, so they did. They didn't go, but their wife went. But there are certain scenes in the film that guys would uh, go just for the scenes. I think you know where I'm talking about. There, I know so. what you're talking about. Sure, <laughs> it was interesting. So yeah. you're so Connie wasn't depressed leaving the. No, world she film? loved it. She thought it was great. She said, "Well, she you knows she agreed." She said, "Well, it's a little dark, you know, like that." But right. I don't okay. know, man. I, I must have I gone in a little down because I came out of there and I actually had, never in my life has this happened, I had a little bit of a stomachache. No kidding. Yeah, and I was gave depressed. So Natalie Portman. But I with, she was great. Okay, so Jim Moore, you predict this is a Oscar-knighted breakout performance for Natalie Portman in Black Swan is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Best Actor. The nominees are Javier Bardem in Beautiful, Jeff Bridges in True Grit, Jesse Eisenberg, The Social Network, Colin Firth, The King's Speech, and James Franco in 127 Hours. This is a big-time heavyweight group, including last year's Best Actor in Jeff Bridges. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I haven't seen Beautiful, but I, I've talked, I want to go see it. I'm going to go see it. And the same thing with 127 Hours. You I, haven't seen that yet? Well, no, we started to go see it the other night, Connie and I, and, and we had a time picked out with the theater, and they say, well, it's not playing at this time. They changed something. Yeah, so that's so an we, we didn't see it. We saw some other movie that I didn't like. It was uh, Which one did you see? Another, what is it? it was a, another year of the... Um, forget the name of it. All right. So that's, that anyway, anyway, that anyway, anyway, but I, I'm going to see both of those, okay? I'm going to see 120. They're still playing out here. But uh, I think this is a foregone conclusion who's going to win this. Thing. Okay, so then uh, let's get right to it. 
According to Jim Mora, the Best Actor Award goes to... Colin Firth in the King's Speech. All right. So Colin Firth in the King's Speech. Um, I mean, he was so good. He was fantastic, man. I know. I know. I know. I mean... Unbelievable, and it was a great movie. But to to do what he had to do, I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, it was a great, great movie. I, I mean, because he didn't just play a stutterer. I mean, he you oh, could yeah. see you could see every time he had trouble getting the words out, you could feel mm-hmm. the emotional strife within him mm-hmm. that he couldn't get the words out. You know, yeah, I mean, you could and see that's the expression difficult. on his face. You know, his eyes and everything. And just the how accent, hard it was the accent because that was you know I know he's uh, I know he's British. I know he's uh, he's still putting on an accent. Even basically, if you heard King George the Sixth, he sounds mm-hmm. just like him. It's yeah, I know, I know. It was, he was good. Okay, really good. I mean, gonna, you didn't. But he's going to win it. I guarantee he's going to win. You it. don't think Jesse Eisenberg sneaks through? No, no, no. That was he was pretty good though. No, he was great. I loved him. That was my favorite movie that I've seen all year. What do you think? So the Social Network. Oh, okay. Let's. Uh, that it was my favorite movie of, of the movies that I saw. Where I just sat there and enjoyed it. Right. Every moment of it. Could could go see it again the next day. Was the Social Network. What do you think of True Grit? I like True Grit. I mean, it wasn't something that I'd want to see again. Uh, it was a little slow at times. Uh, I was I was a little disappointed in it. Really, and I like it was, westerns. It was very faithful to the original. I mean, uh, if you you've seen the original, too, oh yeah, a long right? time ago, long you, time ago. You know, with John Wayne, right? But the, you know, it did have its little you know Coen brother twists to it, right? But other than that, it was very faithful. I I, I liked it a lot. No, I, I, yeah, I liked it, and I think she could sneak in and win the Oscar, Haley Steinfeld. I'm still. I'm, you guys had an in some insights. No, like I told you though, I just think you know there there could be a little bit of uh, a little bit of backlash to the uh, self promotion that Melissa Leo apparently undertook here. Well, and you oh, there's always there's always you never you know the Academy's a, a freaky bunch. I know you know. Okay, so you you've got uh, you've got Colin Firth, the right. King's Speech. You've right. got. Uh, them as the best actor. Here's the last one. Best picture. There's now 10 films. 10 films. Black Swan. Here are the nominees for best picture. Black Swan, which you've seen. Right. Uh, The Fighter. Inception. Did you see Inception? No, I didn't. I never got around to see it. I've been told that's that's craziness. I hear it's kind of weird. I missed it, too. I missed it, too. Yeah. Uh, the, because you know what? It, that's one of those things. If I don't see it on the big screen, I'm not. I can't rent that. That looks like a big screen. Type I know. Movie. I know. Yeah. The uh, the kids are all right. The Saw King's that. Speech. Saw that. 127 hours, which you got shut out of for yet. some odd reason in your the Social Network. Yeah. Toy Story 3. Did you see that? No. You know, I'm not an animated guy, but I'll probably end up see end up seeing that. Maybe your granddaughters when they're in town. They've seen it, I think. Okay. Okay. True Grit. Yeah. And Winter's Bone. I don't think any of the films that you didn't see are are, are really uh, front runners. We already no. know what the front runners are for Best Picture. I think I've already guessed what you think, but let's <laughs> get right to it. The Academy Award for Best Picture the of the eighty third of the All oh, Minute. Here we go. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm building the drama. Okay. 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 The Best Picture for the eighty third Academy Awards. According to Jim Moore, goes to the Social Network. Ah, okay, that's what I'm thinking. You know what? It won. What, what did it win? The Golden Globes or won the? Uh, what's the Foreign Press one? Which that yeah, one? that's a Hollywood Foreign Press. I think it might have won that one. Yeah, 
But anyway, I think it's going to come down to two movies. I think it's going to come down to the, to the social network and the King's speech. And, and, you know, you're talking about the tsunami of the King's speech. I, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm just going to tell you that I like the social network a little bit more than the King's speech. It won't surprise me if the King's speech wins it. I mean, not at all. Yeah, I think I think they're going to split it. I think David Fincher is going to get the uh, the best director, and I think best picture is going to go King's speech. Yeah, it could but be. I I do agree with you. Even the King's speech was so was so awesome. I know. But in terms of movies that that I saw all year. You know, the number one movie that I, I walked out of and was just blown away by this was was the Social Network. Yeah, good. I'm glad you agree with me. I do agree with you. Yeah, that's good. I uh, do agree with you. Yeah. Okay, so you got the Social Nest- Network Best Picture. Right. David Fincher Best Director. Right. Colin Firth Best Actor. Right. Uh, Natalie Portman Best Actress, and both uh, the actors from the Fighter, Christian Bale and Melissa Leo, as supporting actor and supporting actress. Correct. I appreciate That's my you, picks. I appreciate you putting your picks on the line there, Jim. Rich, it's, it's my pleasure. I, I appreciate that yeah. so much. And we'll we'll miss you at the Combine uh, Oscar party. We'll miss well, you. You know what? I won't miss the Combine. <laughs> <laughs> I went to many of them. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll take notes and tell I you how fun, it goes. Though. Have fun. Tell everybody hi. I miss you guys. We miss you, too, more than you know, Jim. All and, right, and of course, And, of course, hit them straight whenever you get the chance. Hey, have a great day. Thanks. Best of Connie. Thanks, bye. That's the one and only Jim Mora Sr. joining us here with his Oscar picks on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's. Broke the mold with that man. And he's been at an NFL Network Oscar party because we do have an Oscar gathering at the Combine every year that the Oscars are held. Again, I think it's three out of every four years the the, uh, Oscar Night falls on the Combine Sunday. So we decided to start having some gatherings and getting some people together. And it gets bigger every year. And we have an Oscar pool. We have an Oscar pool. We play for pride. And joining me on the phone right now is the two-time defending champion of the NFL Network Oscar pool at the Combine, Steve Mariucci. Thank you, Rich. That was that was a good introduction. In fact, my <laughs> credentials for Oscar parties are much better than my coaching credentials. Now, hold on a minute now. Hold on a minute. I, I didn't really finish my introduction. Oh, uh, a two-time defending Oscar pool champion with an asterisk. <laughs> okay. There's an, explain. There's explain. A, here's the explanation. Because you have a ringer telling you who to pick. Listen. It's like when we do our shows, you know, we have research people yeah. that help you out with the, the little details. Well, same with Oscar parties. You have to do your research, and sometimes you can't go to every show. In fact, the first year, I didn't see any of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was about to say is at least you you have more than a working knowledge of the National Football League and its intricacies and its strategies, and that research fills in some blanks for you. It doesn't tell you what to say. <laughs> like your ringer, because like you, you don't know the difference. Like you thought the King's speech was about King Dunlap. No, no. Listen, listen. I've matured, and because I, like you <laughs> mentioned, I've won two and- out of three. That mm-hmm. means if I win this year, that's a Mooch dynasty. There's no <laughs> doubt. All right, in terms of cinema. But I'm doing a little bit of research on my own. On your own? With a little help from Kathy Hancock. What if, she's, okay. she's my gal. You know, 
because I told her we were doing this, Rich. Yeah. And she goes, oh, my God, I have an Oscar party at my house. I go, you got to be kidding me. Good. Why don't you tell me who you're going to put on <laughs> The reason why I'm upset, too, is because your ringer is better than my ringer. Yeah, we can all have ringers. I have to have a ringer for, like, best uh, sound mixing and best visual short film animated. You know, I mean, I'm not going to know that stuff. I've been doing a little homework this year because I'm into it, you know. Ever since winning, I like winning. Winning just kind of makes you want to get into it a little bit more. You know, like Toy Toy Story 3. You see that? Best animated feature. you got to have, you got to do some of your homework. Homework, and I'm going to give you some tips, but I'm not going to give you all of my picks because no, no, you don't have to give me. I don't want any of your picks. I want this to be a true competition because it usually yeah. does come down to me against you, and then there might be someone from the production staff that leaps out a little bit. Uh, Mike Connor, who now left for MLB Network, he used to really be in the mix, but now uh, that he's gone, I think it's just down to me. It usually comes down to just me and you, Steve. You did know? you win one? No, no, you I didn't. Think, you didn't. If you, you remember the tiebreaker no, you, to Mariano, didn't you? I did to Mariano that one year. And the tiebreaker was the ten best movies. Yes, Scott ever. Hansen. Scott Hansen found went online according to the American Film Institute the top ten films of all time, and whoever had the most wins. And I, I whiffed. Uh, I think I got like four, and he got you five. Got right, that was all you got. And yeah, you know, but I think one year we've done it four times. Right. And I think you've won it the last two. Muriano, our uh, coordinating, our senior coordinating producer, who's he been on this one. podcast, he won it once. Didn't Vermeil win it one year? No, no, no. See, we only see last year. There w- it didn't jive with the uh, the dates. Right. The combine was different. So really, there's only been three, and I've won two. Thank you. And the, Dick Vermeil was there at the first one. That's Memory right. Where you crying. <laughs> was that driving Miss Daisy or one of those? One of those. Dick started crying. He got all emotional. <laughs> when somebody won, that's right. He did cry over somebody <laughs> winning an award. Oh, that's right. He presented Scorsese. you. That's right. Yeah. When Scorsese won finally for uh, for for The Departed, <laughs> when he finally when Scorsese finally broke, th- <laughs> he did. Oh yeah, classic. And I'll never forget you. He presented you with uh, one of the table lamps at Shula's Steakhouse in our uh-huh. in our hotel where we watched the Oscar that one year, and you held the table, this mini table lamp, like it was an Oscar. It was and a you, microphone. You gave a speech to everybody yeah. in the room. Well, I had to thank my agent and my wife, and everybody or, got teary-eyed. Now, who is your ringer? You mentioned her name, Kathy Hancock. Who's your Kathy ringer? Kathy Hancock, but don't be calling her, because she's not giving out any no, more information. But she's, what is her what is her role in, in Hollywood? She's a friend of mine, that's all. She's just a friend, and she has an Oscar party. I had no idea. It's like a Super Bowl party. Yeah, it is. Have and they fill out the same brackets that or the same forms that we do. Right. And you know, the first year I saw no movies. The second year I might have saw two or three. And but now, but now look out. You okay. Know, Best picture. Speech, I want to you, you, look out. And, I, and I, I might just give you some help here. Natalie Portman over there in Black Swan. Yeah. And you know, for best best actress. But maybe, yeah. maybe Annette Benning over there with the kids are all right. I, I don't know. Listen but, to uh, you, man. You just. Yeah, I mean, you you're being coached on this. What are you talking Did you about? Did you see? You saw Black Swan? No, but I heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go through this. Let me see how many of the best pictures you've seen. You seen Black Swan? No. No. The Fighter. You see the Fighter? No. Inception. You see that? No. <laughs> But I will. Wait, wait, I'm time, not done. Rich, there's, there's seven still a more. Days left. There's seven. The social network. Did you see that? No, but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to. 127 hours? You see that? 
No. Kings, the kids are all right. You see that? No, but you know what I went and saw the other day? No, what'd you see? Uh, just go for it. <laughs> that's that's next year. But since I saw that too. That was on the set. I that, gotta go see it. Right? That, that was funny. That's right. Since you, oh boy, you saw Brooklyn Decker. Did did your wife go with you? Did Gail no, go with you? I went with when I went back to Michigan to see my dad. My son Stephen came with me. Yeah. We had to get out one night, so I took my son out on the town, and we went just go for it. And you uh, let's not forget you you had Jennifer Aniston on the set for the Super just Bowl go with it as well. Just go with it. Yeah, just go. Yeah. With it. And Adam Sandler and then Nicole Kidman was all on there friends, too. All your new friends. But so you it, saw yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's of, not a best picture. You see, Toy Story three. Toy Story three is going to be best animated feature. I know. Okay. Did you see True Grit? Not yet. Did you see Winter's Bone? Not yet. But you saw the King speech? Well, I, I read about it in the newspaper today. <laughs> <laughs> so you did not see any yeah, but of the best picture nominations. I've been busy preparing for the combine, and now I'm going to go to the show here and, and start looking at some of these. Oh, yeah. but you, when you, you're not going to be able to see any of these. How so, do you know that? So you you are going to you're going to compete in an Academy Award pool without having seen a single one of the best pictures nominations. Okay, listen. If you get into a March Madness pool, yeah. does that mean you saw Gonzaga play early in the season? No, you just get in the pool, you know? You 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 you, you don't have to see all the movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be great if you could, but just talking about them and, and getting some research done from your friends <laughs> and reading about them, that might suffice. Mooch. But really, think about it. If I win again this year, yeah. I mean, do I go in the Hall of Fame of Oscar nights or uh, what? Three of, out of four? Of, 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 of shameless fugazis. That's the Hall of Fame you go into. <laughs> Which that ones you, have you seen? I, I have seen Black Swan. I've seen The Fighter. I've seen uh, parts of The Kids Are All Right. Uh, I, I sort of didn't, you know, that wasn't stay awake through it. Because, you know, I get, <laughs> I get Academy screeners, Steve. That's the sort of thing that I do here in Los yeah. Angeles. Uh, the King's Speech. I saw, that was fantastic. I saw The Social Network. True Grit was wow. fantastic. Where do you have time to go to all these movies? I do. I do. I just I, I, I make time. I love you this and stuff. No, no, yeah. my he's he 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 loves cars. He's two and a half and all he's okay. seen is cars from beginning okay. to end, but not in one sitting. He can't do that in one sitting yet. No, yeah. That's his best yeah, picture every single day is cars. Right. You know, but how's how's Cooper? He's great, thank you. My okay. little boy is good. We're all good, but I'm so I'm looking forward to getting out of the house, <laughs> going yeah. to the combine. Yeah. And yeah, I hope you're changing diapers. But anyway, I am. I am. I'm getting. Ready for I'm this, getting right in there. I am ready. I don't know about you. You sound like you're a little so little iffy right no, now. No, what I am is bitter. Is that I'm I, I, that that I'm going to be competing and potentially losing against a guy who hasn't seen a single film that's up for best picture. And you're gonna and you're gonna I call will, your you're gonna call your your friend who does Lord knows what she probably runs a studio here in 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 Hollywood and <laughs> and and she's gonna she's gonna win this thing at least you have to give her part of the dynasty you know what I mean I give her half the earnings but see the problem with that is I promise her half mm-hmm. but but I always spend it over there on steak and shake over there <laughs> uh, on you guys so I never have anything left for her remember last year yes. <laughs> remember last year I bought all those glasses yeah, for everybody for for the whole crew because it was a free a free glass with every burger or every, something in every ten dollars every ten dollars you get a free oh, coke man. one of those old coke glasses I love it I brought a whole box home oh boy. Oh, jeez. All right, Steve. All right, I'll see you in Indy. Indianapolis Combine Oscar party. You're the best, Mooch. Thanks. We'll see you there. Okay. Good luck. That's Steve Mariucci, everybody.
And that is what we call a pre-combine podcast. I think I've given you every sense of what the combine is all about in Indianapolis. It's it's uh, a laboratory. It's uh, big business. It is serious business, but it's also a lot of blowing off of some steam uh, after long days in the combine and also after a long season when uh, all of the, I guess, personnel men and coaches and owners and scouts all get together in one place. It's like a convention and there's some fun times like Oscars and steak and shakes and restaurants and then... Serious business like uh, Thomas Dimitrov of the Falcons uh, told us about and Mike Mayock giving you a large sense of the importance for some players entering this combine. And he only mentioned probably by name about 25 or 30 of the 330 that have been invited to the combine and that will be on full display on NFL Network's exclusive coverage of the combine. The on-field drills begin on Saturday, February 26th. The offensive linemen get out there on the first day always with the tight ends running 40-yard dash, rumbling down the line. Then uh, the wide receivers and quarterbacks on Sunday. NFL Network's exclusive coverage of that. Uh, Don't miss the offense on Saturday and Sunday. And then the defense gets out there with the defensive linemen and linebackers on Monday. And then the defensive backs wrap things up on the field on Tuesday. I will be at the mic with Mike Mayock and Charles Davis for all four of those days with various analysts weaving their way in and out of our coverage. Uh, Kurt Warner and uh, Marshall Falk, Warren Sapp, and Deion Sanders will at some point take their place with us on the set. And on Monday, I will be running the 40-yard dash in my Prada suit, shirt, and tie and Under Armour shoes and also something underneath. And the top portion, let's be honest, people, this is a family podcast. And then on Tuesday, that will be shown on NFL Network and on NFL.com. So that's your pre-combine podcast in a nutshell right there. I want to thank Mike Mayock, Thomas Dimitrov, uh, Jim Mora Sr. for giving us his Oscar picks and Steve Mariucci for owning up to the fact that he knows nothing about movies. And if he wins our Oscar pool again, there will be one big fat asterisk next to his name. I want to thank them all for joining this podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Rich Eisen, also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rich Eisen. You can always find this podcast on nfl.com slash Rich Eisen or just plug my name into iTunes. I want to thank Chris Law uh, for producing this podcast. Greatly appreciate his hard work as always here on the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's that signs off for now. Stay listening, friends. 